Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier Counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. What is up, football fans? Welcome in to Season 3 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News, sitting with Adam Regan of the Fort Myers News Press, and in the words of the Poet Laureate, Sir Marshall Mathers, it feels so good to be back! Mr. Regan, how good does it feel to actually be talking about football, not uh, meetings and coronavirus? I did not think that this day would come, honestly. (laughs) That we'd be actually talking about football and not FHSA board meetings, which were very, very long and seemingly pointless for a couple of them. Well, let's get into it. Before we start um, breaking down teams in the season, let's look at the past. It's been nine months since we've seen a football game in Southwest Florida. Obviously, I'll take you back to March. March 11th was the day I was covering the FGCU women's basketball team. Just won a big uh, A-Sun semifinal, and I get to the media room, and I hear Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. Like, what are you talking about? Tom Hanks got coronavirus. I get home. The NBA cancels its season. That started it about a month later. Uh, the FHSAA finally full, pulled the plug on spring sports, so we did not have spring sports. That well, spring sports pulled the plug a couple of days after Rudy Gobert. Sure, but it took but a while for the FHSAA to finally go ahead and cancel it. And that's kind of been the problem we've been dealing with. What, making, the past. making a decision? Exactly. Yeah. So me and Adam Regan have uh, been sitting around writing what-if stories. You know, what's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen if this happens? So eventually, when was it? Late July, when they finally decided to... It was like a few days before the, the, the fall practices were supposed to start July 27th, and they finally pushed it back. Well, they called an emergency board meeting that lasted five hours long, to which they said, we're going to keep it July 27th. That's right. when fall sports are starting. Schools can start whenever they want, but basically the earliest date you can start is July 27th. Despite the fact that their sports medicine advisory committee said it is medically unsafe to start football practice on July 27th. That, that is correct. And to be fair, though, the FHSA board of directors didn't get that smack report until maybe a couple hours before the meeting. But still, I think once they had a time time to digest the smack report, they ended up calling a meeting 72 hours later, I believe it was. And they pushed the start of fall sports back to August 24th or so. And then they upheld that in a later meeting. So, yeah, basically that five-hour meeting that I covered that night where they decided to keep it to July 27th. Pointless. Well, and the FHSA caught a ton of crap for not making a decision and doing something. However, in defense of them, they did not want to act unilaterally for the entire state. They want to, school districts and school systems to have their own powers. For example, in you know rural northern Florida, the coronavirus is not nearly as bad as, say, Miami-Dade, which is among the worst in America. So their idea was they want you to be allowed to start whenever you can, whenever you want to. They came up with three options uh, for returning to play. The first one was to just let it start August 24th, and that kept the state playoffs. The second one was to allow schools to start anytime after August, but it would eliminate the state playoffs. But teams were allowed to have, for the fall sports, teams were allowed to have, you know, kind of their own tournaments, own playoff games locally. And then the third option would have pushed everything back at least, you know, October, October, November, November, and then all three seasons, fall, Winter, spring would be condensed to about five weeks. What actually happened, obviously, is we kept the option one, 
August 24th was the start of practice. Now, again, with the local school systems being able to act however they wanted to, here in Collier County and Lee County, the public school systems opted to uh, wait a little bit until classes started, which was this week, August 31st. Public school teams started practice. They will not start games until September 17th for Collier County, September 18th for Lee County. So they kind of want to get a feel on what's going on. However, we will have football this Friday when the uh, public or the private and charter schools play. Um, so it's been a whirlwind, and I don't think it's over yet. And Fisher, I did want to say something. You brought up that the FHSA wanted to leave it up to the local school districts and headmasters at the private schools and everything like that. From everything I heard from board members and from you know county ADs and superintendents, they wanted the FHSA to make a decision. They were looking to the FHSA for guidance because – the, the superintendents, the headmasters, they're all worried about school starting. You know, sports is, you know, very far down the pike in, in terms of their priority list. They wanted the FHSA, the governing body for Florida high school sports, to make a decision. And essentially, they left it up to the school districts again. Well, they just wanted to know, when are we allowed to start playing? Eventually, I found out I do still feel bad for the, the teams over in Miami because I don't know if we're going to see Miami teams playing football this year. And so that's another thing let's get into with the uh, the way it is set up now. Games can start this Friday, September 4th. All teams that are playing football need to inform the FHSAA by September 17th or 18th. 18th. Um, if they are going to play in the state series, which is the state playoffs, the state tournament. I All call your schools intend to. I assume Lee does as well. Do you know? Intend to opt in? Yes. I think that's going to be up to individual schools. Okay. I've been told that all the call your publics and all the privates I've talked to are going to opt in. So then the FHSAA, when they find out how many teams are going to play in the state tournament, they're going to take all the teams and divide it into, what, six or seven classes, like they typically do every year, just with a lot fewer schools. Based on enrollment. So some teams are going to end up in different classifications yes. than they're, they're used to being in. Yep. Because if Miami-Dade, if they all opt out, if Broward all opts out, that's going to screw with everything yep. in terms of what classification each team is in. So you have no idea what teams you're going to be playing in the playoffs. And we've already seen a slew, not a slew, but some teams up in Hillsborough County that have had to halt practices and, and athletic and classes because of the coronavirus. So who's to say that a team opts in and they're not ready to play come, when is that, uh, November 6th or whenever. So we'll divide up. We'll have new classes. There's no district champions this year because teams can't really play a district schedule when not all teams are playing. Every team gets into the playoffs. If you say, I want to play in the playoffs, you get a first-round game or a play-in game as they're calling them into regionals. So basically, it's one gigantic statewide tournament with every team that's left. Interesting enough, I talked to one coach in Southwest Florida who told me that he didn't know if he was opting into the state playoffs or not. Uh, he said, I have to see how my team does during the season because if I end up having to play you know, some powerhouse in the first round, what's really the point of you know, getting beat 65 nothing? If he doesn't think that it's going to help his kids to play in state playoffs, he's going to opt out. Well, you don't have much time. I mean, if that's a public school coach, then he's only going to know after his first game. You know what I mean? The uh, first, the deadline to opt in is September 18th. Well, you can opt in, but I'm sure somewhere down the line, you can, you can probably opt out. You don't have to play games. Yep. And what, what's very cool, I thought they did, is the FHSAA set, and I, I could be right on this. A lot of things have changed and gone back and forth, but... If you lose in the playoffs, you can still keep playing games. Your, your season can't continue. You can play until the end of regional finals or something. So, if well, you're no, teams, you can play till until the end of the state series. You can play your but own, but only with a maximum of ten games, right? Uh, uh, yes, only okay. with a maximum of ten games. But you know, 
a lot of a lot of these schools are only going to get six games in. Yeah, maybe. so say I j- just today I saw Baron Collier's football schedule. They have seven games scheduled. If they opt into the playoffs, they draw a team from Orlando or something, they lose. They can continue playing. They can play a North Fort Myers who maybe lost in the first round or something like that the next week as long as they get up to uh, ten games. So that's pretty cool. So we'll see football in November, later into November for sure. And the thing about the scheduling for Lee and Collier County public schools, Lee County, I know that when they made the decision – they were only going to schedule in inter-district opponents with the exception of a few games against Collier County and Charlotte County. Like Fort Myers will be playing Charlotte this year because that's a rivalry Good. that needs to be preserved. But there's not a lot of traveling going on right. with the public schools. I've seen, again, uh, Baron Collier's playing Bonita Springs. I've seen Bishop Vero, I think, is playing two Collier County opponents. Palmetto Ridge at the end of the season. That's a big one. Laley. They play Laley at the end of the season, right? Nope. I'm on a ridge. Okay, well that that is a huge one because those are going to be that's two a very, great, that's very gonna be a great game. Uh, speaking of side note, the very first game in in Collier County on a Thursday night, Palmetto Ridge in Naples. That's huge because Palmetto Ridge has gigantic expectations, and obviously Naples it'll be the first game without Bill Kramer since I was in high school, since I was 15 years old. One thing we should announce too: no fans right now at Collier County Public School games. The uh, seven public schools have said we will not have fans. I look for that to change a little bit. I've heard a growing amount of pressure, at least to uh, you know allow some parents in. Um, have you heard yet what the rule is going to be in Lee County? Lee County has not yet made a decision, but I hear that it's it's coming very very quickly. I think that the superintendent and Lee County AD David LaRosa are talking about it, and it'll be presented to the principals, and probably by the end of the week, I think we'll know what the fan count will be. I think speculating of course i think there will be fans i agree especially in a game like football which is a violent sport and you got your teenage son out there you the parents want to be there they want to make sure everything's doing okay and if a kid does get hurt if something happens i just spoke with community school athletic director bart weiss and they opened their brand new stadium this week and what they're doing is each kid gets uh, just their immediate family members i don't think he gave me a number but they give the tickets directly to the players. Here's your two or four tickets for your mom, dad, and your sister. And then that way you know everybody coming in is a family member. And you can space them out, even at a big public school. You've seen how huge those bleachers are. They hold 3,000 people. Spread them out. You can even allow some away fans. So I, I look for that to happen, but I haven't heard, you know, obviously any, any word yet. I talked to Evangelical Christian Athletic Director Scott Guttery, who said they will, they will have fans, and I think they're doing 50% capacity, electronic tickets only. Oh. So once you hit that number for electronic tickets, they can't be sold anymore. Nobody else lets, gets let in. They've, I mean, they've got bleachers on – they'll have bleachers on both sides of the field, and they'll have people spaced out. I think the rule will be – to uh, to wear masks if you want to be cl- if you want to be closer together, but if you're not wearing a mask, you need to be socially distanced. Yeah, at uh, community school, masks are required as long as you're up and moving around. Almost like you know some of the mask requirements in counties. You know, if if you're up and moving around and you're at a restaurant, you have to wear a mask. If you're sitting at your table with your group, you don't have to wear it. So once you're seated, and they're even going to separate the groups of families by grade level, so they know for sure everyone is staying apart. Um, and something else to mention. Let, let let's throw this in there. Speaking of, we do have games this Friday, as we mentioned. These teams started actual, you know, helmets on practice last Monday. They're only going to have, what, nine days between when they start a practice and when they play their first game. It's, it's going to be an interesting well, Friday night. Well, they, they only put on full pads, like, Saturday, right? right? Yep. And, the, and they're going to turn around and play on Friday. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how adjusted these kids are to hitting because they haven't been doing hitting since when? Right. 
November. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't get a spring. However, I will say some some coaches have mentioned to me that they kind of had an extra long preseason because they've been working out since June 1st. So they've been doing conditioning, right. they've been doing weights, and they've also been allowed to either meet in small groups as teams or do some virtual Zoom meetings as, as we've all gotten accustomed to. And so they've been able to install more of their offense, more of their defense. So really the adjustment just comes to, yeah, like you said, the hitting with the pads and then getting into game shape. You know, that's different than just running laps around a field. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take a while to, to, to get into it for these guys. Yeah, I just want to say, give a shout-out to the coaches in the area who have been doing a fantastic job since summer workouts started in June with the safety protocols. I mean, that's just another thing that's yep. added to their plate. I mean, these guys, they're not getting, they're not getting paid for the summertime. Right. They're, I mean, they haven't been paid yet in terms of their stipend, and they're out there dealing with all these protocols, making sure that these kids get some semblance of a season. We'll see how much of a season it is, but it's very, very important to these guys who are paid almost nothing compared to states, you know, like Georgia and Texas, and they really want these kids to have a season. So, I mean, I think that all of them are doing a really good job. We talk about our frustration in writing stories uh, just about unknown things. They've had to come up with six or seven different plans for if practice starts on this day, but we're allowed to do this. If practice starts a week later, but we're not allowed to do this. So their plan has been constantly changing. And like you said, these are mostly younger guys with families, you know, kids at home and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Regan. Shout out to them. Well, in the next segment, we're going to take a look at some of the private schools, some of the charter schools, and LaBelle. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, episode one of season three. That's three seasons, Fisher. Three seasons. We are like genuine professional podcasters now. Maybe you are. Well, that's not really saying much either because everybody has, has a podcast nowadays, so you know. Yep, but we so. appreciate people there. Hey, tweet at us if you've been here from the beginning. If you listen to episode one of me and Regan on the mics, God bless you and, and let me know and I'll, I'll give you a high five next time I see you. Well, we're going to jump into our private school, charter school, LaBelle podcast centered because, you know, they're the only ones playing this week. So, Fisher, I'm going to ask you, Mm -hmm. tell me who the best private school in Collier County is. Well, first off, we only have four non-public schools in Collier County. So you're only talking First Baptist, St. John Newman Community School, and of course, the charter school, Marco Island Academy. One of the teams I'm most excited about, you know, in all of Southwest Florida, public, private, charter or not, is First Baptist. This is a team that went 10-0 and last year in the regular season with three seniors. So they lost three seniors from last year's team. One of them didn't even really play too much. They have everyone back who gained a yard from scrimmage last year. They have quarterback Rich Mellian back. He's, he was a uh, finalist for Offensive Player of the Year in Naples Daily News. Tyler Coleman, who ran for 700 yards, I believe, last year. It's a loaded team. And we know, obviously, Billy Sparacio is back as head coach. He's the longest-tenured head coach in Carter County now that Bill Kramer stepped down. Really built a program and looking to continue this year. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't see any First Baptist games last year, but I keep hearing about Rich Mellon and how gritty he is. I finally watched his film. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, he stands out for a that, kid. That kid's a problem. Yeah. The private schools in Naples are smaller, only about 200 kids. So you don't see a lot of high-end talent, like crazy athletic kids. But he is one of them. Like He, he would be a starter at a, a public school in Collier County. Very quick. He ran a lot last year, ran for about 700 yards. And let's talk about their defense. I mean, they have their eight top tacklers back from last year. First Baptist, you know, 
I'm relying on max prep stats. Max prep stats are put in by the coaches, so coaches can fudge some numbers. But they had 95 tackles for loss last year in 11 games. That's insane. Well, and I, probably their best player is defensive end Dario Arreo, right? Yep. He was a first-team All-Area yep, selection last year. Black year. Uh, they have another – that's a defensive end. On the other side of that defensive end is Cooper Dearborn, who had nine-and-a-half sacks last year. So these are guys that get after it. Again, we talk about Sparacio, and then his defensive coordinator, Matt Jansen, has been with them the whole time. You know, reminds you of what we saw at Naples, what Bill Kramer built, being with the same coaches for 20 years. Yeah, every every time I, I see First Baptist or go out, had gone out to one of their practices, one of the most well-run programs in Southwest Florida, it's really no surprise that, you know, they're going to be good again after a 10-0 regular season last year. Yeah, and also they're coming off a big disappointing loss. Remember, they went 10-0 host a home game, they lose at home pretty bad to Moorhaven, a team they beat two weeks before on the road. They won in Moorhaven, they come back, young kids, a year of experience on them, and a huge senior class now. They were led by a lot of juniors last year, and so look for them to be very strong. Regan, is there a team in Lee County that uh, can kind of uh, meet the um, expectations of First Baptist, or a team that is expected to be as good as First Baptist is in Collier? Well, I would think Bishop Rowe will tell you they're better than First Baptist. They, they went to a regional final for the second straight year last year. They It was a little weird with the coaching staff. Uh, John Mooring was the defensive coordinator last year, and Josh Vogelbach was the head coach. They flip-flopped, kind of. Vogelbach went back to his duties as offensive coordinator, and John Mooring is now the head coach. I don't think it really matters because I think they run their program this, the same way. They're former teammates. Uh, they've been in this together for a couple of years and they're looking to really, really make another big splash. And they're loaded again. And it all starts with wide receiver Malik Curtis, who is probably the most lethal weapon in Southwest Florida. You can't have one guy cover him. And when he's double covered, he'll even make catches too. And then you have Jacob Azizi, yep. senior quarterback, back to really sh- turn some heads this year. I think he's looking for a college scholarship to play quarterback so- somewhere. And then you have a few transfers. Uh, a lot of people want to play for Bishop Verreau, and one of those guys is Keon Anderson, former running back at Island Coast. Uh, he was a 1,000-yard rusher his sophomore year, and he was really good his freshman year, and now he's playing for a way better team. And there are a lot of weapons out there that will take the focus off of him. And then you got to look at that defense. That was yep. the best defense, I think, in Southwest Florida last year. They only gave up 12 points a game, but they lost a lot of guys. So they lost Derek Erickson, who was the News Press Defensive Player of the Year. They lost Mark Taglieri, a defensive end, uh, Dylan Insolia. They all went are now playing at college now. So it'll be interesting to see how they replace those guys. I look to a guy like Oasis transfer Jalen Willis at linebacker to really pick up the slack there. But this schedule, man, we were just well, talking about it. It is I was going to mention, I, I remember last year, you know, you mentioned their defense. I saw them week one. Bishop Rowe was at Baron Collier, which think, hey, that's cool. You know, a small private school playing at a big public school. They pretty much dominated Baron and Collier. And that Baron Collier offense was good Oh, last it year. definitely was. That was before they suffered injuries. You know, Baron Collier still had Drew Powell and their quarterback, Grimes. Beat them 19-7. to I was hugely impressed. Um, as you said, they, they're likely better this year. They built a murderer's row, and I hate that phrase, but I just said it of uh, opening opponents. They played Tampa Jesuit this week, who uh, went to the state semifinals last year, lost to Miami Northwestern. Tampa Jesuit, they lost to Miami North- Northwestern, yeah. That's I believe right. so, yep. And then they're at American Heritage, who's always good. They play Lakeland Christian, who's always good. Shamanan Madonna. State who? champion, 3A? For who? Shamanan Madonna. Probably, sure, that sounds right. 
<laughs> I don't know. I didn't look them up. And then they, uh, they're they at Cardinal Mooney. I don't know how good Cardinal Mooney is. But then they play a couple more public schools. They're at Laley, who Laley went to the playoffs last year. They're at Palmetto Ridge, who they beat soundly last year. But that was when Palmetto Ridge was suff- suffering a ton of injuries early on in the season. So probably a good thing that you know the, the playoff system is the way it is this year because it would be tough to get into the playoffs with this schedule, you know, no matter how good you are. If you finish 5-5, five and five, even though you have five quality losses in the old RPI system we used last year, it would be hard to get into the playoffs. So look for Varroa to be a very, very good team come playoff time. And then who knows what class they're going to be in. They could go up or down. They're kind of in that middle 4A no, class. You I have know? no idea who, yep. who they were, who they're going to play. I mean, I know that Shaman Amadonna was the team in that bracket last year. And they, Bishop Varroa, they lost to Clearwater Central Catholic in a very close regional final game last year they're really looking to take that next step to be that next southwest florida team that goes to a state semifinal and again i I meant to i meant to mention this in the first segment you know these teams down here in southwest florida are kind of licking their chops when you think about playoffs if naples high doesn't have to face miami central or miami northwestern for the first time in six years if this team from clearwater that uh, they lost to i mean clearwater's a big metro area that who knows what the coronavirus is going to look like in october i mean the path to a state championship could be much, much easier this I, well, year. I did a story last year on Southwest Florida yeah. teams versus teams from Palm Beach County, Broward County, and Miami-Dade, and it was not good. Yeah. The, their record were in the, in the playoffs were really bad against those teams, and if those counties opt out, I mean, could we see a state champion from Southwest Florida? Oh, absolutely. And if you look at the, the way they realigned the classes last year, the reason we— Regan, you wrote that story is because all of our teams in 6A were facing all these teams from across the world. Naples and Fort Myers teams are in the same region as, you know, Dillard over in Fort Lauderdale and Miami Central, the juggernaut over there in Miami. So, man, if, if it's just a region consisting of uh, Southwest Florida, the best team in Southwest Florida is going to get out, and then you're in the state semifinals, who knows what's going to happen. That would be great. Who do you want to move on to next down well, in Collier County? In Collier County, a team I'm intrigued by that's been very good recently, kind of a surprise team last year, is St. John Newman. They went 8-3 and three last year, and that was after they lost their stud quarterback, do-everything Jensen Jones, who was the Class 2A Player of the Year in 2018. Last year, 2019, they come back, they go 8-2, and two, they make the playoffs once again, and they lost in the first round to a very, very good Miami Christian team by 10 points, and that's, that's fairly respectable. They had that success largely because of quarterback Mike Joyce stepping in as a junior, throwing for 700 yards, rushing for 1,100 yards. He was second in Collier County in rushing behind Elon Samala there at uh, Naples High School. And so Mike Joyce is back for a senior year. But that's about it. They have six starters back on both sides of the ball combined. Lost their entire offensive line. One started back on the defensive line. So Coach Damon Jones back for his fifth season says, hey, we're young. We're a little bit undersized as well. Um, But, you know, we were kind of young last year after we lost a big senior class. Those guys got some uh, battle damage, stepped up big when when it mattered. So we're going to see. I think as long as Damon Jones is there and he has a – consistency in his coaching staff I think they're always going to be good and their their schedule is not too imposing St. John Newman don't they have like an all-star dream team of coaches they got under Damon Jones Colmer St. Jean who um you know obviously was the Laley head coach took them to the playoffs the last time before uh JJ Everett did it last year and obviously a local stud played it Laley did very well played at Wisconsin 
And Mike Cassio is their offensive coordinator, who was um, the offensive coordinator at Laley for a long time. And then just a, a slew of other guys. Their defensive coordinator has been there a long time and is top defensive assistant. Same thing basically since he got there. I, I'm forgetting someone else, so I apologize, Celtics fans. But, yeah, he, he's, he's prided himself on building that coaching staff. I think that makes all the difference. Yep. I think that any coach in Southwest Florida will tell you that the most important guys – when it comes to high school football, are the assistant coaches. And James Chaney over at Lehigh, he will attest to that. He's got an all-star lineup of coaches, including uh, Anthony Dixon mm-hmm. over, over there. So I think that you could see some good stuff from St. John Newman. And you brought up Mike Joyce, again, another guy that I watched film on or I looked at. You know, He did some amazing things yeah. last year. I know that they, they weren't saying Jensen Jones who, but I mean, <laughs> it, but he filled in that void very, very nicely, and he's only going to get better. Well, he, like I said, he rushed for 1,100 yards last year, and they lost most of their running backs as well this year. So I look for Mike Joyce to run the ball a lot again, but he is going to have to play some linebacker also, so you probably don't want to bang him up too good. Moving on, Lee County, anyone else um, that, that uh, we need to be concerned with there, Regan? Well, I think Evangelical Christian is an interesting team to watch, uh, especially what happened last year. They brought in all those transfers, R.J. Rosales from Immokalee, Greg Thomas from Dunbar, a bunch of other guys, and they, were ta- uh, they weren't talking about it. Everybody else was talking about them, you know, possibly making a run at state, and they ended up finishing four and six last year. It, it just didn't work. It was really tough to gel those guys together. They got better towards the end of the season, but they took their lumps early, and they didn't make the playoffs. This ECS team is a brand new ECS team. Yep. All those transfers are gone, and you've just got some kids, young kids on the team. Actually, 75% of their roster is freshmen and sophomores. Are you kidding me? Very, very young team. That's but crazy. But some talented players, too, uh, top of which is defensive end Leighton Breckenridge. I-, I think he could be one of the next stars in Southwest mm. Florida. Uh, he's 6'1", 215 pounds. He's a sophomore. He's built very well. He's got a good motor. And another guy is Miles Graham. And if you might recognize the last name there, he's Ernest Graham's son. Uh, obviously, great genes. Uh, yeah, former son of an NFL player. <laughs> former All SEC back NFL player. Miles was an eighth grader last year. He was le- he was second on the team in tackles as an eighth grader. And wow. He will be their starting quarterback to start the season because I believe Quentin O'Brien is injured. He'll be out the first couple of games. And uh, they really want to maximize the athletic abilities of some of their players offensively. So we could see a new ECS offense that isn't spread out like it was last year with Rosales at quarterback. And they might be a year away. I mean, they, they have a tough schedule. They play all those, you know, all those good private schools that we talked about. But I think that you need to define success a little differently with this team because of how young they are. And they open this Friday. They're at LaBelle, I think another team that's young. Um, Then they play Newman. I should have mentioned in the previous uh, segment when I was talking about Newman. Newman doesn't play this week. They don't play until next week. St. John Newman, September 11th, they host ECS. Uh, Bouncing back down to Collier County, I mean, like I said, only the two others. CSN is notable in that they've opened this new, you know, multi-million dollar stadium. 1,100-seat stadium. Again, they're not going to be able to fill it this Friday because the uh, fans are limited. And Marco, they haven't won a game in two years. That's unfortunate. Um, any other final thoughts on Lee County, friend? Well, you got you got a couple teams that are really, really building. SFCA under Bill Moore is still climbing that ladder. They, they're a young team. 
They could be competitive this year. Yeah, Charter Schools, Gateway Charter, who plays in the Sunshine State Athletic Conference, they were they had a winning record last Is that year. That right? They're not FHSAA. They are not FHSAA. Oh, okay. Good to so know. They're building. I think that Ben Daly's got a good thing going over at Gateway Charter. Oasis, they're be rebuilding as well after last season where they had to forfeit a few games because of an ineligible Lost player. Lost their head coach, and I've heard a lot of players too, right? A lot of players left. Indeed, but uh, interesting guy over there as their new head coach, Jeff Love. He's from Punta Gorda, but he's coached at the college level, mm. uh, Power 5, as an assistant. And he was a quarterback's coach over in California in a very, very competitive conference over there. So we'll see what they ha- they bring to the table. They lost a lot of players. Uh, Daniel Rennie, their quarterback, graduated, and he was really, uh, really the guy that made their offense go. Well, I tell you what, we're going to talk about these games that are coming up on Friday in the next segment. Come on back and hear our picks. After the games each week, Go to naplesnews.com, news-press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. Welcome back into your favorite segment of the podcast. And of course, it is Adam Regan's favorite segment, The Picks. It's pick time. That's right. We got games Friday. We're going to be picking them every single game that happened this year. Is that right? Not every single game, right? We pick about, what, 10 games a week? 10 games a week. Sometimes we have more than 10 games, right? Yeah. Okay. I think we need to rehash the last two years, though. Um, yeah, you know, we, we did very well. Everyone tried real hard, and it was, it was, we all had fun. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what's important in this pick segment, right? Year one, two years ago, I won by one game. Yeah, it was a good one. And did that not come down to the Naples versus Northwestern, I believe? Am yes. I right on that? And I picked Naples because I'm a huge homer. I wanted to get the uh, local fans on my side. And he admits up, it. Ended up causing causing me the uh, the picks title. And then last year I beat you by like 16, 17 games. Listen, man, things went off the rail early. I had to play catch up. You know, you start taking some chances and playing outside yourself. Um, I got no excuse. Actually, I do have excuse. That, that was my excuse, what I said right there that you're playing outside yourself yeah that's right i was trying too hard doing too much actually is what i was doing so not going to happen this year so how are you going to write that wrong that's how I, what i ask every single coach in terms of errors and stuff that they made last year how are you going to how are you going to make that right so you guys have success Listen, i've recommitted in the off season i've been in the weight room um i've been, I've been studying up and uh, I'm, I'm just ready to go. been doing a ton of mental exercises. I got a picture of you on my mirror, like in Rocky Four. And every morning I wake up and I squish that thing like you, Ricky or Rocky smashed that picture of Dolph Lundgren. Do you, do you go up to the highest, the highest point in your neighborhood and yell, Regan? <laughs> you know what's funny is um, on my running playlist, I do have the Rocky Four theme song when he's working out. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm running in my neighborhood, I get way too high. But I go, Drago! You need to replace that with Regan. Because- Regan! I am unbeatable. Well, let's see. Let's find out. Let's get into it. Top of the list. ECS at LaBelle. Two teams kind of rebounding from losing seasons last year. Um, Both of them, I think, with some new players. We don't know a ton about either, although I think you may have a little insight into LaBelle. Yeah, LaBelle, they're coached by Matt Davidson, who is actually their all-time leading rusher from uh, a a decade ago. ago. Um, They had a rough rough start. I think they went 2-8 and last season. But they've got a lot of guys back, and they've got a pretty good offensive line at LaBelle. And it's led by senior Adam Rebaugh, who is a 300-pounder. 
and you know they grow them big out there in yep. Laval. And they've got Jalen Gallegos back at running back and Lawson Davidson, who's back at quarterback for his second go around. So they could be improved this year. I would say that this is a team that that could win five, six games. And this is a team that lost 54-14 to 14 to ECS last year, and ECS was not that good. Uh, but as we said, ECS very young. LaBelle at home. I'm going to go with LaBelle. I am going to go with LaBelle as well. Gotcha. Speaking of rebuilding teams, Marco Island Academy at Oasis. We mentioned Oasis in the first segment. Lost their coach from last year. Lost a lot of players. Marco Island, a team that God bless them. They're still out there, you know, putting a team together, which I know is tough at a, at a school that doesn't have many people. You're isolated out there at, at the, on Marco Island. Haven't won a game since 2017, maybe. I know they went 0-9 last year. Um, Did they, they? They didn't play First Baptist at the end of the year last year. They just forfeited. No, they one. just said we're, we're good, y'all. We're, we we don't need to be doing that. Um, well, I how many kids are on their roster? I, I know year, I ask this every single year. Last year they ended with under twenty um, because of injuries and whatnot, and it's you that's can't tough. Play. That's tough. even small school football. When we're talking about Marco plays, you know the uh, CSNs, the Newmans, the ECSs. Like those teams have 35, 40 kids. That's it's difficult. Um, and we say this every year that we don't know how much longer Marco can sustain a football program. But hey. They're, they're, they'll be out there Friday at Oasis, but I got to go Oasis. Yeah, the Jeff Love era at Oasis will start with a very big win. SFCA at CSN. CSN breaks in their brand new stadium, and I'm sorry, Seahawks fans, I don't have the name of that stadium in front of me. I believe it's Kent, maybe. I don't know. It's some family name, though. Somebody, 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 family field. Who donated house. all that money and you got their name wrong? Well, hey, his name's on the stadium, so he. Trust me, he's getting plenty of uh, recognition. Um, I don't know. CSN is a team that went, uh, I think, 1-8 and eight last year and really kind of fell off. I mean, they're a team that was really good for a while. You know, they had some 10-win seasons. They were playing uh, in the Sunshine Conference. And they have their same coach, Paul Silvideo, back for a seventh season. They do have their quarterback back. Um, I guess opening up the big stadium, being at home, I'm going to take CSN. But I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a good game as well, and I think a player that you really need to watch out for on SFCA is quarterback Eli Moore. He was an eighth grader last year. He's a freshman. His father's the coach. Did he play quarterback as an eighth grader? Uh, he, he played five games, I think. Okay, uh, threw for, that's good experience, man. Threw for 200 yards. He wasn't the starting quarterback, but I think he got some good reps in, and I think the SFCA would be a very competitive team this year, but CSN opening the new stadium... Yep. I mean, and it's beautiful too. It is very uh, nice, beautiful turf, big uh, the uh, the like concrete stands hold eleven hundred people. And I think SFC is a team that's going to be better as it gets as the season goes on. So I'm going to take CSN. Right around the corner from CSN, First Baptist Academy, less than half a mile away, they are hosting Gateway. We already talked about uh, FBA and and just the huge expectations they have, and they're going to have a uh, full stands on Friday night. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. They've been chomping at the bit since losing in the playoffs. Can Gateway hang with them, Adam? Bad, bad, bad spot for Gateway. And again, Gateway had a winning record last year in the Sunshine State Athletic Conference. They're no slouch, but First Baptist is a juggernaut. I mean, I think that they're a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs this year. So I'm going to go with FBA, big. It'll get better for Gateway down the line. The big one, Tampa Jesuit, who went to the state semifinals last year, at Bishop Rowe, who went to the regional finals last year, the first in a, uh, a series of very, very tough contests for Bishop Rowe to start the season. 
Man, it's going to be tough. I really like Bishop Vero. I think they're going to win a lot of games. They have potential to make some very big uh, playoff wins. But gosh, Tampa Jesuit, they're always so good. You know, it's funny the Bishop Vero coaching staff's been a little chatty on Twitter mm. over the last week about Lee County teams dropping them from the schedule. <laughs> and they quote unquote, as the kids say, want all the smoke. Well, <laughs> the, the smoke is coming it's to Fort coming. Myers and to, to play at Bishop Vero. I'm taking Tampa Jesuit. I believe in Bishop Rowe. I think they're going to be really good, but I think they're going to start the season 0-1. Absolutely agree, and that's not disrespect to Bishop Rowe. That's just you're playing, again, a uh, a team that uh, played pretty well against Miami Northwestern last year. Remind me, I wasn't listening. Who'd you pick, FCA or CSN? I picked CSN. Okay, so that does it. All five games, all the same. So we're going to be talking. Boring. Boring. Next week, very boring. We're so, we're so boring. Unsubscribe from this podcast. There, we do nothing interesting. We'll mix it up more next week. And hey, next week I think we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the public school teams. We'll have some more knowledge. We'll have a few more teams starting to play next week. So thank you for coming in. We're so happy to be back for season three. Stick with us. Tweet at us. Keep watching. Looking at the websites. I don't need to say them right now. You know what they are. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download to get you ready for the coming week's games.